Welcome, I'm Cyrus Afshar, and this is the Wiggles Informal Economy Podcast, Social Protection. In this podcast, we will discuss some of the most pressing issues related to the linkages between the informal economy and social protection, including debates around workers' health provision, pension schemes for older workers, as well as childcare systems and other social protection policies for informal workers in order to improve their livelihoods. Wigo has launched a new phase of its podcast. In this season, we will examine the pieces of the social protection system in order to better understand the challenges, opportunities and difficulties faced by informal workers, always taking a bottom-up approach highlighting the workers' perspective. In the next episodes, we will investigate the different parts of the social protection system and look at it as a solar system in which, at the center, we have policy, legislation, governance, financing, then further out, program design, eligibility, and related issues, and finally revolving around the second orbit, implementation issues such as registration, delivery of benefits, and so on. We will give special attention to the issue of digitalization, looking at how technology is being used to improve the inclusion of informal workers across the different elements of the social protection solar system, but also we will discuss the risks and challenges involved. The current episode is the second of this new season. We will continue to look at the issue of financing, which was a topic of the first episode of the systems mapping series. We will look at a very important theme, how to finance the inclusion of gig workers from digital platforms of service provision in social protection systems. We turn our attention to the Indian state of Rajasthan, where the local legislative has just passed a law creating the Rajasthan Platform-Based Gig Workers Welfare Board. In order to understand what the Welfare Board is, what is their role in financing informal workers' social protection, how will it work, and the challenges and potential ahead, I invited Nikhil Day. Nikhil is a social activist in India for the empowerment of peasants and workers and is a founding member of the MKSS, a membership-based organization that fights for the right of information and advocates for a national work guarantee law in India. And now, let's hear talk about the Gig Workers Welfare Boards in Rajasthan with Nikhil Day. Nikhil Day, welcome to our podcast. Hi, Sirius. It's great to be with you. So before we dive into the Rajasthan case, can you briefly explain what are the Indian welfare boards? Uh, how do they work? What is their role? What are their prerogatives? So first, the welfare board is a legal instrument. It's a framework set up through law, and it is a response to a particular kind of need which has come up. So there are welfare boards to begin with, which the government has set up for various reasons. And there are labor welfare boards, which are somewhat different. And I think we should concentrate on that. In India, roughly 94% of the Indian population is supposed to be as considered to be from the unorganized sector. And therefore, you have only a 6% workforce that is in the organized sector where 
they have proper social security, proper labor laws applicable. They are either blue collar workers or they are workers with the state. And therefore, they're not only their salaries, but their working conditions and not just that, but also their social security is well worked out. Now, with a, such a large workforce in the unorganized sector, and all of them unable to organize because they are spread out. They work in different places for short periods of time. They migrate all the time. They are under contracts, which have very little monitoring over them. So this mechanism came up in the early 50s, actually, as a demand from labor. Across the country, labor started saying that, okay, even if we can't organize at one workplace or come together in a union in one place, Maybe we can all of us who do the same kind of work get together in a larger board, which is mandated by law. And that gives us some form of both collective bargaining as well as collective monitoring capacities. So one of the first such labor welfare boards was actually very interesting at this time because it's from them that we drew inspiration for this gig workers law which was amongst the head loaders, those who pick and loads of heavy material on their heads, sacks from various market yards and from railways and from trucks, where they take it on either their back or their head and they deliver it. So they were completely unorganized. They had no way of saying they had a single employer. They had no way of saying that they had a single place of employment. And they had no way of coming together for their work. So they gradually got this idea that instead of saying that they had one employer, they would make sure the terms and conditions of employment were the same and fight for that. And into those terms and conditions of employment, they would add a fee or a cess that would look after their social security requirements. And the payments would be made to the board and the board would pay workers. That in a nutshell is what came up with the, what is called the Hamals, the head loaders in Pune. And they are the ones we drew our inspiration from for this particular gig workers law. And I'll explain as we carry on in this podcast. Excellent. Thank you so much for situating. Uh, so can you tell us more about the, the creation of this welfare board for gig workers? And what is the current situation of the legislation? So the legislation has been passed by the State Assembly. It is awaiting signature, State Assembly meaning the Provincial Assembly. Rajasthan is a state with roughly 75 million population in the state of Rajasthan, uh, 7.5 crores. Uh, and in that State Assembly, Provincial Assembly, the law was passed about a month ago. And it has gone to the governor for signature. And we have just heard informal reports that the governor, who is the representative of the federal government in the state, the chief minister is the head of the government, the elected government, is prevaricating a bit about signing this, saying that they may send it to the president of the country for approval. That's the current legal situation. But when either the governor or the president signs is when the law is complete, the rules will then come, it will be notified and be implemented. So it is not yet at the stage of implementation. It is between the stage of passage, which has happened, and the stage of implementation, which is whether the governor or the president signs. The president, when, there's, when there is an issue like labor, which is on the concurrent list, which means that it can be legislated by the center as well as the state, 
There is in the Indian constitution, there are things on the state list, on the central list and on the concurrent list. So labor is on the concurrent list to make sure that there is no repugnancy between the laws. Sometimes the laws are sent to the president as well. We Thank don't you. think there is a need for this law to be sent. And we are a little bit worried about the politics of between the state and the center. And since they're different parties at the provincial level and at the central level, basically, technically, where it stands is a law that's passed. It's a law to be notified and then to be implemented. Okay, right. So uh, what are the social protection benefits for workers from the so-called gig economy? that they will have right to enjoy coming from this welfare board once, of course, it is implemented. Yeah. So firstly, about what the structure is of this particular board. So, you know, in the gig economy around the world, this is a very big challenge that gig workers have faced a situation where collective bargaining is extremely difficult. As a result of that, they face scenarios where regulation doesn't work and the aggregators in the gig economy have fought against any form of regulation because they have said that it would affect their markets and therefore it would be problematic and therefore around the world actually because the app became kind of the adversary for the gig workers they are controlled by that app whether it's an uber or whether it's uh, amazon or whether it's anyone in any one of these gig activities but if there are any of these then people find workers find that they are actually dealing not with an employer but with an app the employer hides behind that app and therefore for fighting for their rights it's been extremely difficult for them and everywhere every time they asked for regulation or they asked for fair regulation governments have been unable to do it because these companies have threatened that if you do it, it will affect markets and affect their commerce within a market. So the breakthrough in this was no aggregator or no employer can argue against the need for workers who are doing this work to have welfare rights. What will they do when they are sick? What will they do when their children have to go to school or college? What will they do when they are old and cannot work anymore? What will they do for insurance? What will they do when they have an accident? What will they do when they face death in an accident? What will the families do? The fact that they are working one hour for someone and two hours for someone else or half a day in a week or maybe round the clock, that takes away your rights in terms of regulation, in terms of working days. But it also takes away your rights as a worker to be able to have social security. So. The breakthrough here in Rajasthan was we said, let us legislate on social security and let us use the model of the welfare boards, which are rather unique to India, but very powerful as an idea that all platforms in the state must be registered and all workers on their platforms must automatically be registered with the board. So it immediately and the big breakthrough is on every transaction, there is to be a fee. So, okay, I am only working for half an hour for one company and three hours for another company. But as much as I work for one company, that much of my additional fee will come to my particular account for my social security. So it does three very important things. Number one, it says that I have social security rights by law. 
Number two, it creates a mechanism for every worker to be registered and get their due share. If they work more, they get a larger share. If they work less, they get a smaller share. From With whom they work more, they get a larger share. So get their share for Social Security deposited with a board. And number three, that board has tripartite representation. It has representation from workers. It has representation from the companies. And it has representation from government, which should be a third-party regulator, which should make sure that injustice is not taking place. So it's a very unique way to get all of this together. And there can be no argument against welfare rights. As a consequence of that, what kinds of rights do you give your question now? So I get my right firstly to Social Security because with every ride, let's say if I'm an Uber driver, with every ride, some money will be deposited for my old age, for my if I were to have an accident, if I were to need hospitalization, if I were to need health benefits, education benefits, any number of them, or even for a housing loan. That money, each Uber driver, according to the amount of time they put in with Uber, or here there's Ola, or there's something else, or packaging company, it would be put in there. Secondly, it gives me the right not just actually to have that money, but it has the gives me the right for the first time to see the data related to me. All these companies have been working by onboarding me on their platform, but not giving me access to my own data. And it was very interesting when there was a stakeholder consultation that these are companies who on the basis of privacy are be saying that we will not release this data. But then the workers who were sitting there in the same room said, you hide my own data from me. What kind of privacy is that? I don't get to know how much of my money goes to you, how much goes in tax. Why is it I'm going creating so little? When I fight with the company, why does my ID get blocked? So because of this board and the fact that this data will flow through a central monitoring transaction system where data will be transacted through the board, they will get access to their own data, which is a very, very big step. The third is that all grievances so far, I would only have to depend on the company. And you and I know what happens with digital grievance platforms. You speak to a bot. Here, in your case, the employer has all the power. They answer you or don't answer you. You see no face to that employer. So here, for the first time, because there will be tripartite representation and the board has the right to look at grievances, there will, for the first time, in a basic human right of my right to seek redress for grievances will be met through this mechanism of the board where everyone is represented and some kind of justice can be done. So these are three very broad areas, broad and powerful areas. Having said that, it's a first step. It does not mean that this has given gig workers the comprehensive kind of rights they need as workers. It does not mean that like properly defining an employer-employee relationship where the employer's responsibilities, that has been fully secured. Far from that. It's a first step. So can you explain how these benefits will be financed and how do they ensure that there is sufficient funding to guarantee access to social protection? And what are the financing challenges regarding this particular group of workers? Yeah, so the financing, again, this is a very interesting thing because all over when there are people in this kind of scenario where there is no employer, two things happen. One is that this fee is sometimes collected on overall transactions. So the state or the welfare board is collecting the fee altogether 
and then they go off looking for workers separately to register. So there is no real relationship between the worker and the fee collected. So often you get fake workers who get benefits or you don't get workers who have really worked getting the full benefits. So this is very unique that it does that. Number two, that the state has already, for instance, in Rajasthan announced a large sum of money uh, to set up the board and to give seed money for many of the schemes of the board. For instance, maybe for insurance or death insurance or for health insurance and protection. But what is unique to this law, important to this law, is that the company will also have to pay a certain percentage. It's written that the aggregator will have to pay a certain percentage of its share. And that percentage is to be placed in the board. So as much as the business works, that's how much it has to take responsibility for giving workers their social security benefits. And so therefore, profits cannot be cornered just by companies for themselves, but a share of those profits has to go for social security. So it is funded by a combination of the state and its responsibility. And for instance, the general social security benefits for all citizens in the state will flow into this board and they will be added to by this money that comes. And when there is a fair amount of money, it can be invested in a way that it benefits workers into the future. Let's just take, I mean, there are many kinds of gig economy work, but let's take this rides. Uh, in the rides, the car is the drivers, the fuel is this, the insurance is this, the time is this, the risk is this. And all that the company does is aggregate on a platform and it takes away 20, 30, 40% for just doing that. So here it says that a certain percentage of what they earn, the companies earn, will be given for the social security of workers. So there is no way, and it says that all the transactions of the companies with the workers will be monitored, will flow through the board to a digital transaction system. So it will be monitored in that transaction system by law. And that's only fair. It's something that the companies really can't argue against. It's also rational because it shows that if the companies are saying this is not my employee because he's free to go wherever he or she is free to go wherever they want for however long they want. But for the period that they have been employed, they are the employee. And for that period, whether it is five minutes or it's five hours or it's five days or five years, for that period, the company has a responsibility to pay a share of those profits. And that can be monitored because of this. In a sense, the app was an enemy. Maybe the app can be turned to become a friend of the worker as well. Excellent. That's very ingenious. So this is a new welfare board, but there are many other welfare boards in Rajasthan and across India. What were the lessons the Gig Workers Welfare Board could incorporate from previous experience? So I'll give you some one each because there are numerous things as we've already discussed the board framework. Uh, there are some states, particularly the southern states, Kerala, Tamil Nadu, who have many, many boards. They have boards for coconut workers. They have boards for choir workers. They have boards for domestic workers, which we've been asking for in many parts of the country. But there is one large board across the country called the Construction Workers Board. Now, there are millions of workers who are construction workers. They work for a few days in one house. Some who are carpenters work for a few hours in one place, then they work somewhere else. And that's typical of what a gig is like. They are the ones where overall transactions of 1% cess is to be paid by the person getting the construction done. But those workers on the unorganized sector and don't get registered. 
So that's a lesson we need to learn that how do we make sure that there is automatic registration of workers. That's one lesson we need to learn because what's happened in the construction workers board is the cess has been collected, the fee has been collected, but we don't know who to distribute it to. And it does not match, the fee is not matched with the, between the worker and the person who's giving it, the, the employer. That's one lesson to be learned. And that lesson was learned actually, if you go back in the history of labor battles and struggles, that lesson is learned from the Maharashtra Hamal workers who were these head loaders, who said that there is a way in which even if I load one sack from one shop and 20 from another shop and 30 from another place and 10 from a particular truck, all of that can come under a single rate where I get a percentage, I get a fee for my social security. And that goes to the board and therefore I get a rational commensurate social security benefit. And therefore, if we look at those people in that state, they are far better than Hamal workers anywhere else. They have a bank, they get social security, they get pension, they get a provident fund, they have flats, whereas everyone else are in very deep trouble on various levels. Their children have got much better educated, they run their own school. So it's quite an incredible model. What this did was combined modern technology. It took the, the oppressor, which was the app, the arbitrary oppressor by the neck. And it said, let's apply the principles of the Hamals from Pune, that board. Let's apply those principles to make sure what happened in the construction workers board does not happen here. So even though the functioning has not began, you can imagine what is going to happen. I, as a particular taxi driver in India, I do three rides with Uber and I do five rides with the other company called Ola. Now the three rides I earn, let's say 500 rupees on three rides and I earn 1200 rupees on the other. My percentage from Uber is as per 300 and my percentage from Ola is as per the 1200. And it goes into my ledger in the board, not to be used today, but to be used for my social security benefits. And it's all collected together for all workers together. So the lessons were learned that what happened in the construction workers board does not happen, that I'm a carpenter, but I get no benefits. Someone else takes my benefits. I, my benefits are assured against my name and they will be assured all my life. It's in perpetuity. Even if I do only one ride with Uber, that one ride's money is there in my account. And I can actually add to it from other sources, even my own sources, so that my social security is looked after. So this is, I'm talking about those financial benefits. I'm not talking about the other benefits, which is like grievance redress and my right to data and my right to collective bargaining, which may begin through this process. So these are two important lessons. One from a modern board, which did not actually manage to do it. I'm from an old board. But the third lesson is using modern technology, which was, as I said, kind of the oppressor, that kind of you know, the, the biggest fear that we've just been having meetings with gig workers and they say, if we fight, our IDs are blocked and that's like a digital firing. It's, <laughs> I can do nothing. My ID is blocked. Where do I get employment? What do I do? I have no other alternative, but my ID is blocked. So here, everything will be watched. So it's one way of monitoring these transactions and it's a way of monitoring what's happening in the relationship between the employer and employee, even if they don't want to call themselves employers, it shows that they are employers and shows that the worker is an employee. 
Excellent. To wrap up, what are the next steps for the establishment of this new welfare board? Do you think this experiment could be replicated to include gig workers from other Indian states? Yes, absolutely. Already the state of Karnataka has announced a gig workers welfare board and it has announced a much larger amount of money from the state. So it will probably in a few months take off and there's a newly elected government there. So we look forward to that. And the state of Tamil Nadu uh, on Independence Day in India announced a gig workers welfare board. And these are two states with very large numbers of gig workers, larger than Rajasthan. So actually, Rajasthan has set in motion the same thing in many other states. And therefore, we hope that this will become something too big to stop and will become more progressively what happens in Rajasthan will be improved upon in Karnataka and further improved upon in Tamil Nadu. And so far, then you will come to a situation where we had a very, very poor national legislation, which has actually not yet been implemented. That will have to contend with this far more progressive state legislations to improve upon it. So this board needs to immediately in Rajasthan, people have been thinking of how do we put pressure on the governor to make sure that his assent is given as soon as possible. And if the law begins, we've had meetings with the government to say, start setting up the board as soon as possible. All across Rajasthan, we will maybe start an agitation if this does not happen. So the, obviously the first steps are to get the next obvious steps after the law is passed so that its implementation begins. But the larger question of this experiment not being replicated, but being the inspiration for more than replication, for advancement, for progression. Because as I said, this is a first important set of steps. Uh, we need to move much further. We claim to be in a modern, more fair world. Actually, these new technologies have brought much greater unfairness and arbitrariness. And these are responses from workers. It's the brilliance of them. It's the creativity of their struggles. It's the answers that come from here and there that one leads to the other, adds to the other. And therefore, there has been a lot of interest from across the world in this gig workers' legislation because it provides lessons not just in India, but across the world. Excellent. Nikhil Day, thank you very much. Thank you so much, sir. It's a pleasure okay. talking to you. And if you want to learn more about the welfare boards in India and about the Gig Workers Welfare Board in Rajasthan, we will leave some links at the description of the episode. And don't forget to follow Wigo in our social media channels, Twitter and Facebook to get the most updated publication, events and more. I am Sirus Afshar and this was the Informal Economy Podcast, Social Protection. See you next time.